Welcome to Guitar Radio Show, the show dedicated to the guitar player, guitar maker, gear builder and purveyors of such items that you may not know about, but should. Here's your host, Mark Davin. All right, people, welcome back to Guitar Radio Show. We have with us a returning guest, and he has a new record. Uh, This record is an eclectic melding of blues, rock, jazz, into a genius form of melodic dissonance that, uh, to be honest with you, I try to sit down and figure out how he's doing it, and to be honest with you, I can't. And I, and I think I got a good ear, but uh, we're going to try and we're going to try and peel the onion with with our next guest. Uh, please welcome back uh, the uh, gentleman who just created a new selection of music for us called Ten Days to Burn It Down," Mr. Paul Bibbins. How are you, Paul? I'm fine, Mark. And as I said, thank you for inviting me back. I appreciate oh, it. No, my pleasure, man. This is a really interesting collection of new tunes. You always are, you know, it's so interesting because you don't, you don't stick to the usual trappings and the usual methodology when it comes to creating music. And I'm always, I'm always interested in talking to people who are pushing boundaries and, and forcing, you know, forcing people's ears to, to think in different ways. And you're one of those people. Oh, thanks. Appreciate that. Um, so when you decided to do 10 Days to Burn It Down, I want to talk about the 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 uh, title track for sure. But when you decided to do this record, was there a was there a uh, a methodology? Was there a concept? Was there a idea that you wanted to convey? No, actually, actually, I think my, my intent, and I started doing the tracks for this album in 2015, my intent was just to do something that would, you know, hopefully stun people. <laughs> and so, so I mean, that, that was my, that was my intention. And, you know, I came up with that, the title, uh, 10 Days to Burn It Down. So I was, I was thinking to myself, well, I want something to stun people. So, you know, give myself 10 days to get into it, get started, get going. Cause obviously it took me like almost three years to get all the tracks done, but I was thinking, you know, 10 days, I'll get something down, you know, a couple of tracks. Right. But it didn't work out that way. But the initial, the initial thing was I wanted to get something that would, you know, get people talking, stun them a little bit and, yeah. you know, hopefully that they like it. Yeah. Well, definitely you did that from a, from a, sonic standpoint and you did that from a from a uh, lyrical standpoint as well so there's a lot of message involved as well uh tell us about 10 days to burn it down the track 
Uh, now, the, the, the interesting thing about that is I had the that music for the music for that track, 10 Days to Burn It Down, that a record for the 45th. I've had the music for that. I think I wrote that the music for that track in about 1998. Wow. So I came up, yeah, yeah. So I, and the thing about that track is I could never come up with any lyrics for it at all. No matter what I wrote, it just didn't seem to fit the track and so I actually came up with the name of the album way before I had the lyrics for the track so once I came up with the name the name for the album and I still had that track all the other tracks I had lyrics for but I didn't have any lyrics for that you know and one day I was I think I was watching MSNBC or something and you know they were talking about you know the whole thing with Trump and whatnot I'm I'm anti-Trump I don't know if I should say that or not but so that that (laughs) that 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 popped up and the lyrics just came out and you know the lyrics are you know anti-Trump lyrics you know I should say that I mean nothing bad or anything like that but it's it's it, the song is actually a, a protest not, well not necessarily a protest but a how would I say um, just maybe a reaction to what's going on with politics in America today yeah. you know the the wall of chaos the political rot um, fake news and so and in that song when I'm saying you know uh, one day to burn it down three days to burn it down five days to burn it down the it that I'm talking about is that wall of chaos political rot and fake news basically I'm just encouraging people to get past that burn all that down get back to the truth in American politics you know civil politics get back to the way America used to be mm-hmm. that's basically what the song is about mm-hmm. cool so uh, I know that you you play all the instruments on the record yourself, uh, and what yes. are you what are you gonna do when your boss TR was it the eight oh eight using the eight oh eight? Yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do when that thing finally craps out? <laughs> uh, that that that's that I don't know because that is that is my drummer and my bass player because I compose compose the drum parts. And I compose the bass parts on that, and I play my guitar live over that. Right. And so basically, what, basically what I do is I record the tracks like a power trio, right? Know, in the studio. So I'll, uh, now the, I got to say the one, the one song on the album that that the the bass didn't come from the TR eight eighty. I mean the DR eight eighty is the track track number four on the album, which is Old Woman Sweet Woman. Now that track I actually played bass on because uh-huh. I recorded that track in about 1998 1999 it was basically to me it was like a lost gem i happened to discover it on an old cassette tape oh i guess at the end of near 2017 i'd forgotten about it for almost 20 years and i ran across it i was like okay so i had a lot of noise and pops and clicks so i actually imported it into pro tools and i got um ozone rx6 cleaned it up and then I purchased uh, its Trigger 2 drum replacement software from Stephen Slate. Mm-hmm. Used that on it, which added... Because I had the, the drumming on that track was real cheesy. It wasn't the drum drums weren't from the DR-88. It was from a, a previous drum machine I had. It were real cheesy. But I got that Trigger 2 drum replacement software and applied that. And it actually created additional toms, additional snare and bass parts for the song. Oh, okay. So that one... But all the other tracks... The bass comes from the DR-880 as well as the drums. Uh-huh. So, I mean, this is a pretty vintage piece of gear. Yes, I, and I actually purchased that that in 2005, so it's 13 years old now. Right. 
So, so actually, and, and actually, to answer your question, what I'll have to do when that thing dies, I'll have to get myself a live drummer and a live bass, <laughs> bass player. <laughs> so, you know, actual musicians. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, that, to be honest with you, it'll, it would be really amazing on two fronts. One, it'd be amazing to see how a... Uh, Organic, we'll call them organic. Organic drummer and bass player will interpret your music and play it, and also to see where you will go having that kind of a, a counterpoint. Right, and obviously it would be different. I actually, um, you know, years ago when I was still living in New Orleans, I had power trios, and we do. And we were doing Hendrix covers and Steve Ray Vaughan covers, but we I throw in some of the originals from time to time. So we actually I actually did that with you know, and I had a one particular drummer named Herman Stanley. I'll, Herman Stanley, I'll give a shout out to him in New Orleans. He was really great at picking up my songs and all those odd time signatures yeah. and breaks and whatnot. And him and I, we just lock it, lock in there. So him and I, we worked together for quite a few years. We had problems with bass players coming and going, but he, him and I were always together. And he was really good at you know playing all my odd stuff, odd time stuff. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should note that you were in New Orleans, you left New Orleans after Katrina, and yes. you moved to Dallas. Right. Which is a bit of a music mecca, and there's stuff going on there all the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And um, where is uh, where is that drummer now? Uh, he's still in New Orleans. Oh, he is? He stayed, okay. Yeah, and I communicate with him from time to time on Facebook, so he's, he's still there. Yeah. Well, I, I would be interesting to hear what, what you would do with uh, how that interpretation would be. be that would be interesting to see. Yeah, and actually, I... Uh, some sometime in the near future, I have to get to that point because I do want to get out and play. You know, play clubs to support. Because if I, I keep putting out CDs and I never get out to support them, I'm doing myself a big disservice. You know, so mm-hmm. so I had to, yeah. yeah. You're doing the Steely Dan thing. <laughs> yeah. So right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I have some I have some favorite tracks on the record that I want to ask you about. And uh, okay. and then we can talk about some more gear and stuff like that because I want to talk about guitars. But um, uh, the track "Stone Cold Monday," that's the blues blues track. Yes. Yeah, I dig that track. Um, it's 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 got an extended intro. It's got a really cool vibe. When I first heard it, I was like, "Oh, is he doing an instrumental here? What's going on?" And uh, walk us through that track. What was what was the impetus on that? I can tell you the main impetus for that track for me doing that track is I wanted a blues rock track in the vein of Hendrix's version of Killing Floor because I just love you know what Jimmy did with that uh-huh. you know it's, it's killer blues rock so I figured maybe I can get in there and try to design something like that get some of that mojo and that's what that's what I was going for when I wrote that song and as far as the, the lyrics of the song. I'm a guy that when I when I write songs, I really don't have. You know, most people write songs from personal experience. Mm-hmm. My lyrics really don't come from personal experience or anything that I've witnessed or happened. It's just something I'll just start writing, and whatever seems to come out is what I'll lay down on on the tracks. So. Right. But yeah, that was that was my that was my impetus for the, for the track. I wanted something you know similar to Hendrix's Killing Floor to sort of get that sort of stone cold blues rock vibe if I can say that yeah for sure and there's even a little bit of that um, and not the same time signature obviously but a little bit of the uh, Villanova Junction in there too you know that track that Jimmy song yeah. 
Yeah, but I, I guess I'll have to go back and listen to Stone Cold Monday. I never never paid attention to that, but I love Bill Nova Junction. Yeah. That's great, you know, for Woodstock, yeah. Oh, yeah, killer track. Um, so another track I wanted to mention, uh, talk about, was uh, The Sun Is Falling In. Okay, yeah, that that track I wrote I wrote that track around 1976. This is actually one of wow. my oldest songs, so it's so it's better than 40 years old. And um, can't really say what it's it's about because basically I'm just singing singing about you know a relationship with a woman. You know, basically telling her that you know we can get out there in the moonlight. You can be my lady and stuff like that. So I didn't have any really meaning behind the lyrics. But the song, as I said, I wrote it in 1976. I wanted something with a strong groove. I can't really say what I, you know, based the riffs and whatnot. A lot of my songs, they just came out of basically nowhere because I, you know, I wrote them when I was young. One thing I should point out is, is most of these songs I've had for years and years and years, you know, in the can on, on tape here and there. Most of them were written when I was young, you know, when you're most, you're most creative in, in the young years. So, but I was at least smart enough to record all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. so, I, so there, w- there was no real impetus for that song, no real uh, script that I took it from. It just happened to just come out, you know, as it did. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the, as far as the solos and whatnot, solos, solos, well, I should mention the guitar solos and all these songs, even though the songs are some of them are 40 years old, the guitar solos, I actually hammered those out, you know, last year when I actually got down to recording them for the album. All right, cool. So that's interesting. So it's like uh, the, the, uh, the younger you meets the older you. Yes. In some respect. Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. So it, it's interesting because we've already talked about a few of these songs and, and some of them are, are from way back when. So how many tunes do you think you've got in the can? Uh, probably got maybe 40, 50 more. Wow. And yeah, yes. And they're all, you know, all my songs are, all my songs are, are I'd say, the majority of my songs have got some element of odd timing in them. Some of them are really odd time. Some of them have a uh, you know, little odd time here, a little odd time there. And it's all a product of because the way I learned guitar is basically I just stuck myself in my, in my room, secluded in my room, didn't play with live musicians, didn't play with metronomes. I just played whatever came out of my head. Wasn't a planned thing. I was just young and you know ill-informed, but it all worked out in the end because... That's basically what formed the core of my style. You right. know how that odd time thing got in right. there, so. right? And that's yeah. I mean, and, and you know, to be to be fair, I mean, if I was to, you know, I hate labels, but you know, if I was to, it was to, if I was to try and create a label, I would say eclectic abstract. That's your that's your style. It fits. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think so. I wouldn't argue. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't argue with that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I could. I mean, some of this stuff, I when I when I hear it and I listen back to to the older records too, I listen and um, first time I ever heard you, I think I even said it in the first time we ever spoke that uh, I could definitely like if Zappa was still around, you he would he would dig it and he would he would say, hey, come in that, and play I, on this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love Zappa because he was so eclectic with what he did. So you know, one of the best. Yeah, but, but I, I can't say I'm in the league with Frank Zappa, but I love what some Frank Zappa did. So okay, okay. <laughs> well, I can say, but um, okay, appreciate that. <laughs> so um, let's talk about. Are you still using that same strat? 
Yeah, well, actually, actually, I used the uh, the for seven of the tracks on the album. I used the Strat from 1978. Mm-hmm. For four of the songs on the album, I used a an American Standard Strat that I bought in 2016. And actually, uh, the Sun Falling In is recorded on that new Strat. It's a white Strat, American Standard, and all my guitar, both my Strats got just standard single coil Strat pickups on them. So the songs that I did with the new Strat are Ten Days to Burn It Down. Ever the Fire, Forever the Wind, Ballad for the Rock Children, and The Sun is Falling In. All the other songs were done with the uh, 1978 American Strat. Right, and these are all stock. Yes, all stock. Well, uh, let me rephrase that. The, the, the 2016 Strat that I bought is stock, your American Standard, but the, the Strat that I've had now, I bought the Strat used from a friend in about 1986, and again, it's the 78 model. Now, it's it's not stock because I changed the, the pickups to Fender Custom Shop, I think, 1957 pickups. I also added a very tone, very tone to the guitar, you know, like B.B. King had in his, yeah. his guitar. Are yeah. you familiar with the very tone? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I put that in, I want to say, almost 20 years ago. So, I was, you know, I tell people that, and they think, well, you're weird, man. So, but <laughs> it gets the job done, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then walk us through the signal chain there. Okay, so you got one of the strats, and you go into what from there? Yeah, yeah, so what, what I'll do is I'll take my, and I, uh, what I'll do is, is, is when I record, I'm actually recording parallel signals, so it's it's a composite signal. So what I'll, what I'll do is I'll take the guitar. I plug it into the first face, which is the first device. Then I go into my homemade stone box, which you know I was heavily into electronics and designing, you know, effects boxes for myself a few years few years ago. I haven't done much of it in about ten years, but my homemade effects box it has a um, preamp, EQ section, and a compressor. So. So that basically primes the signal. Then it goes from there into a passive DI box. I split it out in parallel. I'll take one leg of that, that parallel signal. I send it into the Marshall JCM 2000 head, head, and the other leg into the to um, a Boss ME25 multi effects pedal I have. So from there, from the Marshall JCM 2000, I'll go into a. Um, THD hot plate uh, speaker attenuator because I don't use any I don't use any any actual speaker cabinets in my recording process so it comes out of so one leg of the signal comes out of the Marshall JCM 2000 into the, the hot plate and that goes into my um, Tascam DP32 um, recorder mixing board and the other leg from the Boss ME25 I send that into a Crybaby wah and then out the Crybaby into the um DP32, and then I take another output because the Boss ME25 has stereo outputs. I take the second stereo output and I plug that into the board because so I have three. The signals coming in on three legs into the mixing board, so it's, as I said, it's a composite signal of three your guitar inputs and I overdrive the hell out of all of them. You know, make it real hot and it makes it really distorted. But doing it that way, it simulates a live mm-hmm. uh, speaker cabinet, mm-hmm. and that's how. I, you know, because I want I want it to sound like you know a speaker cabinet when actually it's not. Right. I the only you. one that the, the only song on the album that I actually use a speaker cabinet for again is "Old Woman, Sweet Woman" when I re- recorded that back in 1998. That was actually recorded in a in a rehearsal studio where I was, and I had you know the ability to turn the the because I had a, a Marshall 412 cab, and on that one I used a Marshall JMP 
what's what's that head calls Marshall Marshall JMP I think Mark Two mm-hmm. amp that I had at that time. So I used that with the Marshall Four Twelve cab for that, and I mic'd it with the the good old uh, Sure SM Fifty Seven. So, but all the other tracks were recorded without any speaker cameras with the setup that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. But Old Woman Sweet Woman was actually recorded, you know, micing up a cab. And, and that was actually recorded to a, a two-track stereo Sony cassette tape, <laughs> you know. Huh, huh, and as I said, and as I said, I discovered that that cassette tape last year, so and pulled it out and I doctored it and got it in good enough shape to throw on the album. That's interesting. So, okay, this is a pretty involved signal chain, or yes, multiple, it is. It multiple is. signal chains. So, so let's let's consider what would that be like what would you do if you were going to go and take that out live how would that change how what would you do live because bringing all that would be you know close to impossible i imagine yeah i mean uh, certainly arduous yeah i mean i i I could do it one way that i could do it if, if i wanted to i could build myself or, or either build myself or buy just a mixer that allows three inputs, you know, because I take all of that, the three inputs that I would send into the mixing board, send those into a little mixer that combines it and sends it out into either just one signal or stereo signal and plug that into either one amp or two amps, you know. Oh, okay. You can do it that way, yeah. Okay. That would still so, be yeah, a lot. Yeah. That would still be a lot. Yeah. It remi- yeah. You know, it's funny because it reminds me a little bit of the early rig that um, – Vernon Reed was using uh, in the early days of Living Color when they would play at CBGB and the Academy of Music in New York and stuff like that, where mm-hmm. he was running two two amps, but he had a mixer on stage also, and then he was using foot pedals to control a cassette uh, recorder. Oh wow! When they would use um, uh, God, when he would use like sound bites of different people talking and stuff like that, and sound effects. Mm-hmm. And he had uh-huh. he had cassettes for that, so very wow. yeah. It kind of reminds me of that kind of a you know something that you got to get to the gig like three hours early instead of two hours early to get this thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> think my setup would be would be that 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 uh, that you know complicated. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fairly straightforward. At least to me, it seems fairly straightforward because well, I've done it that done it that way for so long, right? Right, it's second right. nature to you now. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, yes. absolutely. So um, the track Ever the Fire, mm-hmm. that is that is a really, um, it's, you know, like all, your, like all your music, it's one of those tracks that I find to be very um, urgent. There's an urgency to it. Do you find there's that, do you find that there's an urgency to you? That's why there's an urgency to the music? Um, can't really say that, but I guess I guess in one one way that I can look at it, I'm 62 years old, so everything is urgent now. (laughs) 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 But no, yeah, to be honest, I've I've never looked at it as as an urgency. I mean, it's it's just matter of fact. I mean, I just and by the way, that's a song I wrote that song back in around 1980, so it's it's pretty old, also. And it's one of it's one of the two songs on the album that are like dedicated to women. So it's it's a song about the nature 
of a woman, just as is old woman, sweet woman. It's about women because women are the most beautiful creatures on this planet. So those two songs are dedicated right. to beautiful women. So all women, rather, anyway. Right. Right. So we know that you're a guitar player, a singer, a songwriter, and we also know you're an author. Are there any? Yes. Are there any other? Uh, are there any other talents that you're hiding from us at this point? Mm, well, not really. I mean, I, I'm I'm a network engineer, but that has nothing to do with music. So, but yeah. so that's not really a talent. That's just a job. So, <laughs> and actually, that that job is actually what keeps me from from getting out playing music because I'm on call twenty four seven, right? You know, year round, year round. So until 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 somebody starts pumping some money somewhere, you know, some money at me where I can. I can make the money from music, and because yeah, I need that income from that job, sure. to get all the bills that my wife and I have. So I, you know, I'm mm-hmm. stuck in that role until, and I can't see anybody throwing any money at me anytime soon that will get me out of there. So I'm sort of stuck in my position. Well, so. ten days to burn it down is getting a lot of attention. Uh, I, well, think, I appreciate that. I think a whole lot more attention than the last record got, don't you? Yeah, and I hope so. I, I tell you one thing about the last record. Difference between the last record and this one is. I, I I did the mixing and mastering on both this one and the last one. when I did the the last one in 2014. Even though I did the mixing and mastering, I had no clue what I was doing. So and I was trying to compete compete with the loudness wars out there. Uh-huh. So the funny thing about those tracks on that on that CD from 2014, if you convert those to MP3s, they pretty much sound distorted. And at the time, I could not hear that. I can hear that now when I go back and play those tracks, yeah. but I could not hear that. At the time, and I guess your ear, and I've noticed over the years, your ears are wherever, whatever stage your ear is at at any given time is the stage that you're at. Because I can remember when I was young, I thought I could sing, so you know, I had those tracks on tape, and I go back and listen to those tracks from 30 years ago, and I sound like you know, the worst singer in the world, you know, cacophony and the whole scene. But I, at the time, I thought I was actually singing. So, what I was the point I was making is when I did that, when I mixed and mastered those tracks on that album. I didn't have any of the skills that I have now. I acquired a little more uh, mastering skill and mixing skills because what I did was I went to YouTube and started watching a lot of videos on tech- techniques like parallel compression, how to divide up the frequency space, you know, for the vocals, the guitar, the bass, and whatnot, and just you know really dug into those videos and get a grasp about how to actually do that. And I didn't do that with the first record. I just bought ozone i think it was ozone six mastery suite and you know and had pro tools and i just went at it with little knowledge of what i was doing so this time around i got a little more knowledge so i think the sonics on this record are, are a lot better than it doesn't compare with the professional professional records but it's a lot better than what i did the last time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i i dig it i think it's I, like once again you're going places Many players either can't go or would be afraid to go, both lyrically and sonically. So, you know, once again, pushing the boundaries, and that's super cool. Um, oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. So the record, uh, people can get it um, at cdbaby.com, Bandcamp, Amazon. Uh, can they get it on paulbibbins.com as well? Yes, and, and actually uh, I should say that people that uh, like to stream, you can stream it on Spotify. Okay. So you can get it also you can also get it on iTunes. Yeah, and if you go to now here's the thing, if you you know, if you want to buy it, those are the places you can buy it. Obviously you can stream it on Spotify. 
But if you're like a lot of people are and they live in the cheap seats and they don't want to pay for it, which a lot of people don't, <laughs> if you go to Paul Bibbins, <laughs> if you go to paulbibbins.com, there's a, there's a page. It says free download page, free download page, and you can download an entire album for free if you don't want to pay for it. So. Wow. All right. Well, that's cool. And, and you know, today's day, to, you know, days that like now that we're living in, yeah, people aren't, you know, it's so funny how some people look at like music and they go, oh, that should be for free. Well, no. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It, it really shouldn't because it takes, it takes a lot of effort to get, you know, to put something out there. Well, but, that's exactly yeah, right. I, I just, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's exactly right. Go on. Yeah. It takes a lot of effort and, um, for me, it doesn't. I mean, it takes. You know, it takes. It just took the money to buy the. You know, all the plugins for you know Pro Tools and whatnot, and and the mastering software. But for other people, they actually go into a studio, pay pay thousands of dollars to get their records recorded. Right. And those people actually deserve compensation for what they do. Absolutely. Um, right. And, and as I said, yeah, I'd, I'd rather that people would would purchase it. But if they don't want to purchase it, they want to stream it. You know, they're paying for the streaming service, and of course, again, there's people that will not pay for anything in any form or fashion, so if those people want it, they can get it just by going to paulbibbins.com, go to that free download page, because I, my logic is, if you if you really like it and you aren't going to buy it, well, if you get it, you may eventually tell somebody else about it, or, you know, and they may buy it, or mm-hmm. spread the word about me, so... I figure it's all good, so that's why I give it away for free also. That's cool. Well, as always, man, it is great to talk to you, and uh, it's, you know, you're like I said, you're pushing the boundaries, and I think it's wonderful, great stuff. Uh, Yeah, yeah, as I said, I really appreciate that. And again, I have to say, man, I really appreciate you because most, and I'm being honest about this, most most people seem to run away from me and my music, so I don't get much help promoting it, so you run into me, so that's a great thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, once again, for, for, for me in this show, it's always been about, you know, looking at everything. I mean, you know... I've had you on the show who's who's you know a guy who's doing it DIY all the way you know right. and then you know and then I have guys like Eric Johnson on there who's you know who's, right 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 you know, yeah, so you, it's, you it's, do the gamut well it's it, that's what it's supposed to be about because there's not one type there's not one type of player there's not one type of music there's not one type of guitar there's not one type of gear builder you know it's 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 all good and it's all should you know we should I, I'm I'm a big fan of the word consider Let's right. let's just exactly. let's just consider this for a second, whatever it might be. Let's consider right. exactly. So, but I appreciate you, and uh, thanks for being on the show again, man. Oh, thanks, Morgan. Again, I appreciate you, man. Well, <laughs> Talk to you later. All right, man. We're going to end the show, folks. On the way out, we're going to hear the entire track of Stone Cold Monday. It's Paul Bibbins. Go to paulbibbins.com. You can get the record on CD Baby, Bandcamp, Amazon, iTunes. And if you want to just be a cheap skate, go ahead and uh, stream it on Spotify or over at paulbibbins.com. Thanks, Paul. We'll see you. Okay, Mark. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. bye-bye.
wanted me down on bending knees. But I don't mean murder, so she had to leave. She wanted me down on bending knees. But I don't mean pretty baby, so she had to leave. Anyway, since I claim to have been here before That I should have been running from Stone Cold Monday Before she first hit the floor Guitar Radio Show on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Instagram, and Tumblr, and of course, on guitarradioshow.com.